0: My name is Catherine Welch, and I, I'm going to, this, the PRISM, in case um, it wasn't clear, it's, it's, it's a Patterns of Responses in Intercultural Service in Medicine. And I'll be talking, it's a study that was done um, over 2000, 2010 and 2011 of full-time, long-term medical missionaries. And so basically, I'm going to be presenting the salient points of that. Um, And so learning objectives, we all have to do this for these talks. Uh, So basically, I just want to say that I was not a part of the working group. I'm not a part of the study group. I am one of the respondents of this survey. I have been on the field as a pediatrician for 12 years. And But I contacted Mark Strand. I said, this was a brilliant study. We need to present it. Would you do it? He says, I'm not going to be here. Go for it. Um, So I have their permission. um, And most of everything is really is taken directly. Either it's a quotation from one of the respondents or it's a quotation from the study itself and or I'll cite other uh, sources that uh, reinforce the points that are made in this study. And so basically just I found this interesting point. Uh, Medical missions uh, in Catholics have been doing it since the 14th century and Protestants uh got a little bit later start in the seventeen seventies. What is interesting when you look at the history of missions and medical missions, that there has been a tension between traditional missionary work, church planning, and medical missions. There's been a tension all along. And so I'll read this quote for you. Uh missions have been largely content to ignore the need for a developing policy in their medical work to launch new ventures with little reference to the lessons or the experience of fellow missionary societies and to leave the conduct of medical affairs solely to the rank and file of what is, after all, a highly individualistic profession. Now, that was a quote from 1952. It was presented to the Church Mission Society at their annual meeting. And there have been... I can find several quotes from the late 1800s that reflect a similar sentiment, and it's a sentiment that still is reflected today. Well, thank you so much. And so just to talk about, okay, what is this survey, and how was it done? It was an online, uh, and it was also done in print um, for those without good um, Internet access or without secure uh, Internet access, and it was open from February 2010, to March 2011 and a total of almost 400 valid responses and so basically they define medical missions in this paper and it refers to the enterprise of long-term cross-cultural missionary service through medical work under the auspices of a Christian missionary organization. It does not mean the concept of short-term medical missions or secular medical missions Insofar as you have a person who is a Christian working in a secular environment, but not sent as a missionary. Not to say that they aren't doing mission work as a tent maker, however, but that's not um, the definition um, referred to in this paper. And so they included medical missionaries, which included doctors and nurses and other allied health professionals. You had to have been doing your work more than two years of time living in the host country. You had to be an expatriate in that country, and includes uh, missionaries on home assignment. So, in that they're they're actually not at the present time living in their host country, but they still count because they're going back and they have been serving. And you have to be associated with a Christian organization, and it was all in English, so you had to know English well enough to complete the survey. So, who are we? Of the 400 uh, full-time medical missions, about 50% of us work in private hospitals. 12.5 um, work in the government hospitals or clinics um, in Asian countries. That was um, risen to almost 25%. They, um, I don't have a study to show you. I won't present graphs, but basically they broke it down into where you're from, where you're serving. And all the demographics involved in that. So they can delineate you know, who is saying what, where. Um, and we'll get to more of that. And so it's half and half, male, female. And um, the mean age was almost 44 years old. So not that old, which is great. And uh, almost the average, the mean, was almost 11 years in, on the field. But this was really interesting. Eight Medical missionaries representing 18 different countries are serving in 67 different countries. So it was a very broad uh, representation of of, um, medical missions today. And so here's some of the people that responded. uh, This is the uh, percentage breakdown of the specialties. Um, And so other might mean... Any, anybody not included there. Uh, we need more dentists, and we need more pharmacists. <laughs> we need more mental health specialists. So um, bring it on. Um, if you don't know how you can work, you can talk to me after. But this is an estimate. Um, just overall demographics of the world at large, medical missions in large, they estimate that there are actually fewer than 1,000 missionary doctors serving two or more years. Um, and that's doctors. And there are approximately 1,000 nurses and other allied health professionals. So altogether, just 2,000 people serving in medical missions in, from you know, Christian mission-sending agencies. That's an estimate. There's no real hard data to prove that. It's just what they guesstimate from, from the data and from being involved. So how do we spend our time? So most common was direct medical care. There's also medical education, community health and development work, leadership of healthcare care facilities, meaning um, hospitals or clinics. Um, it could be a Christian or it could be secular. And building a local faith medical fellowship. This isn't church planning. It's sort of if you have a student association and you're working with a, a student Christian association or sort of where uh, you're working with a Christian medical dental society in the host country and almost everyone responded more than one. So you most, most mission most medical missionaries are serving in multiple roles. but this is how it broke down as far as the time. So identified by the respondents, here are some top challenges. Not enough qualified workers and this would mean in their host country, either as expats or in the nationals they're working with. They experience poor cooperation with the local system and an ineffective bureaucracy in their host country. There's not enough money or equipment, and that's in either through their organization or in their practice. Regarding number four was a lack of strategy to guide it. And that is regarding their sending organization. And number five, lack of support from my organization. As in, they're doing medical missions, but they do, and we'll, we'll talk more about this later, but they do not feel like their medical ministry is got the full support or it's sort of a tacit consent, like, okay, we'll still let you do this. Um, and there's no plan for sustainability either regarding their mission, sending organization, or the host country. And so here are some other comments. Um, in the survey, they responded to set questions with set answers, and then there was always a space for write-in comments. And so here are some of the comments. Um, lack of an established role, that meant, you know, that the missionary didn't feel like, they felt like they were kind of floating, trying to find their own way um not sure exactly what they were supposed to be doing or when. Um, the services are not needed. You know, they just felt like, gosh, why am I here? You know, I want to do medical missions and the role that they perceived they were supposed to be doing. They just felt it wasn't a good fit. Poor work ethic uh among the nationals or maybe some of their team teammates. No leadership in national institutions. Um, difficult in funding. I mean, they, they've, one of the comments was, we have money for projects, we have money for medicine, but I have trouble raising support to keep my family on the field. And that it was really hard uh, to work in a hostile environment or forces of competition, maybe competition for money or for resources or whatever, or just that it was hard to do medicine in people that didn't really care about their own health. Um, So those were some of the comments. Well, the survey also addressed the the satisfaction in their work or their role as a medical mission and saw regarding the balance of medical and non-medical aspects of their work, South America and Asia, those missionaries working in those countries reported the most satisfied. This is not South American or Asian missionaries. These are people, these are expats working in those countries. They reported being the most satisfied with their work. And in Africa, they reported the most unsatisfied. And, and workers in Asia spend the least amount of time in clinical medicine. Um, that may be, that means doing direct care. It may mean that they're involved in clinical care, but through, um, teaching medicine. Like, they're not responsible for the clinic, but they're overseeing other doctors in their own clinic. Or they may be in a leadership role, but they're doing less direct, hands-on medical care. In Africa, they were doing the most hands-on, direct medical care. And so, one one thing that on several questions they delineated between the Americans responding and the non-Americans, um, and that expressed the same degree of satisfaction. Uh, Regard so. And the Americans and the non-Americans agreed the same. Whether you're in Asia, most satisfied in Africa, less. It was the same between Americans and non-Americans. And so, you know, it may be because the the, the reasons for why they may feel less satisfied, maybe they're overwhelmed with their clinical work or they don't have enough time to feel like they're well-rounded or not enough time to do non-clinical work or doing more um, mentoring or discipleship or or sometimes it was some of the some of the frustration and not having time for family because they're so absorbed in doing their clinical work and so that was those were some of the responder comments about why um, but the most re- the most um, direct correlation the most common reason that missionaries cited poor work satisfaction, was had to do with the attitude of their local government towards their work. And so the more favorable relationship, the better the relationship, the more favorable attitude of their local host um, government or healthcare ministry, the more satisfied they were with their work and vice versa. So another thing that the survey addressed was our mental health. And so when I say that 50% of medical missionaries responding reported significant levels of anxiety. Now this was not a survey, this was not a validated survey of mental health. It was basically rate your level of anxiety on a scale of 1 to 5. And so significant levels were determined to be when a responder reported level 4 or level 5 anxiety or depression. It was just a self-assessment of how you are doing over the last, in general, over the last year, how do you rate your anxiety or depression levels. And so 50% are suffering significant anxiety, a third of us are suffering significant depression. It was higher in South America, Africa, and the Middle East. And again, non-Americans and Americans are affected equally. Um, It was not more Americans are feeling more depressed or more anxious. And it did, it didn't relate to the purpose of their work, but it it did correlate, again, to the attitude of the local health authorities towards their work. And the depression and anxiety scores were correlated, meaning that if the person reporting more anxiety was also going to report more depression. So they asked, "What are your perceived needs?" I, not really what is needed. They wanted their opinion about the need, how they perceived their own need in their work. And so, they half of us responded that yes, there is still a great need for us in our host countries. However, it we they don't the host countries do not need us. In traditional roles, that perhaps, you know, if you'd been serving a while, when you first went there, you were doing a more traditional medical missionary role, maybe you're working in a mission hospital or whatever. Um, but as these roles changed, as global health changes, and there's, a, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, um, that there was still a need for cross-cultural partners, but less of a need for the ways in which we've traditionally worked. And then a quarter of us thought, well, overall, regardless of our work, regardless of what we're doing, we're just not as needed as we used to be. And they asked another question about what do you need for training? And so they didn't say they really needed more training in, surgically, in surgical or procedures. I mean, there was some of that. Most of the respondents reported things like we want training in how to mentor. We want training in how to teach medicine. We want more training in Bible knowledge. We want to we want to be able to teach, mentor, disciple, whether it's making disciples in medicine or making disciples, you know, in Bible knowledge or however. That was the greatest perceived need as far as training. So the study also looked at how is your sending organization supporting you? And because for medical missions, it requires a lot more specific direction. It requires more specific leadership in order to direct this highly, speci- highly specialized fields. Um, doctors are <laughs> You know, we're, we're personalities. You know, are going. Um, you know, it's specialized field, maybe you're doing surgery in Africa, maybe you're teaching medicine in China, you're doing all kinds of things, but what does that look like? And in other in many different places it looks very different. And so they thought that their organization didn't really have a lot of strategy for how to strategically place them or how to keep them going on the field or how to adapt with the changing needs on the field. Medical missionaries function This is one quote um, directly from the study. Medical missionaries seem to be functioning quite autonomously in these organizations with inadequate strategy and leadership to utilize them well. So basically, they keep doing their job because we're type A hard-headed people regardless of what we're um, getting support. And that there was another felt need that needs to be valued for more than just opening opportunities for the gospel. That it is a valid platform for spreading the gospel in and of itself, not say we're going to use medical missions just to open a door, but that doing medical missions on a regular basis isn't in itself valid. Okay, I, probably I'm preaching to the choir here at a medical missions conference, but this, is, but this is what, but our partners on the field are still feeling like they're, they're, they're not really validated in their work. This is what we're saying. Like, we say, of, of course it's a valid way to do medical missions, but they're still not feeling that that support from their organizations. And so what does it mean that nearly 40% of respondents perceive that their organizations prefer that they as individuals leave the medical part of their work? Huh? That's what. That's 40% of it, almost half, saying, we think our organizations could care less whether we're doing medical missions or church planning or whatever. Yikes. That's pretty profound. And that, there's another study, not a part of this study, but another study, um, I don't know if I have the reference for that, but that says about the same number of organizations say that they probably would do away with medical missions altogether, with that medical missions branch. Because it's hard, it's expensive, they don't know what they're doing, so they just would rather leave it. Interesting. So, And as far as organizational support, the partners who are working in Asia, they feel the most pressure from their organizations to leave the medical aspect of their mission work. Here's a direct quote from one of the respondents. It seems to me that mission governing governing bodies without significant numbers of medical personnel don't seem to understand the needs of medical missionaries or the different paradigms we work under in evangelization, i.e., we should not be treated or utilized under the same paradigms as non-medical missionaries such as church planting. It's just a direct quote from one of the respondents. So, short-term missions. We're just going deeper and deeper into the hot spot. 65% of us disagree that short-term missions has a significant positive impact on the health situation for local people. 65%. Yikes. Yikes does not mean that we need to do away with short-term missions. It means we really need to look hard at the way we're doing it and how we're doing it and that most of us, as far as medical missions, feel that the way we're doing it now is stop it, basically. Some of the reasons given, it's a waste of time and resources. There's poor quality in their medical work. There's no plan for follow-up of the patient's there's lack of impact on the local ministry and that they just think it's, just, some of it borders on malpractice because they're practicing illegal in that country. I mean these countries have, there there's legal, legal rules for the way that you practice in these countries and some people just go in and just do whatever, no contact with the local health authorities or whatever and there's no follow-up and they're like, yikes. And so sometimes Uh, Medical missionaries in the field are called to follow up. Some team outside of their knowledge has come and gone, and then they get called to kind of follow up some of the problems. That was some of the the reasons. So we really need to think about how we are doing short-term missions. So here's a quotation I thought was very powerful. I am not opposed to short-term teams but I do feel like the pendulum has swung in a direction where churches, organizations are putting more funds on team experience than on supporting full-time workers who are willing to make cross-cultural ministry their life and not just an experience. I feel like the American church and constituency needs to be educated on what exactly is best practice when it comes to relief, development, healthcare and models need to be promoted that follow best practice methods. I agree. Um, And so there's a book or there's a study published by Kurt Verbeek of Calvin College in 2006 and he showed that short-term missions does not lead to increased long-term giving to missions or does it increase the number of long-term partners. You know another quote from someone else said, most short-term missions are inoculation against long-term work. And another... <laughs> like, you can go, just get inoculated. Oh, yeah, we feel great. That's good. Another mission leader says that, you know, short-term missions is a leading reason why there are not long-term partners. He says that, that is one of the major hindrances to developing long, long, long-term people on the field. And so it's really a felt need Really need to listen. We really need to take a hard look at this. So, going from hard news, we're going to look at some opportunities that were identified and moving. You know, what is it now? But there are opportunities and there's good things and things we can look forward to doing. And here are the most, um, here are the four most um, important ways opportunities to really impact the long-term health care of the people we're there to serve. And that is mentoring national, like-minded medical workers. That means working with Christian doctors, Christian medical students, residents, what have you, mentoring them in medicine, mentoring them in the Bible, and all those making disciples of Christian doctors. And then number two was training national health workers, regardless of their being A Christian or not, we need to build up the national health care of our peers in every country where we're serving. We can use medicine to bring good news to people as part of an integrated response to the gospel. Integrated missions. Not, in and of itself, partnering more with using short-term missions. they can be used well. Um, It can be partnering with other... Um, evangelistic opportunities. And number four is meeting specific needs. I mean, there's still a huge need for work in HIV AIDS around the world. Mental health is desperately in need, I mean, around the world. We really need to come alongside and bolster and build up the mental health care for people around the world. Um, Looking at urban health also, and disaster relief. I mean, there is a way to do that. And to do it... um, with long-term partnership, not just go in and come out, but you can partner with long-term partners um, in the field when you're doing disaster relief. And so there are other reasons. So here are some other highlights about the opportunities um, cited by the respondents. And they thought the biggest, again, the biggest opportunity was considered to be mentoring or training national medical workers, and especially Christians, improving their own ability to do training or mentoring was reported to be the greatest area of need for further training I mean their own i' mean the medical missionaries um, improving our ability to do this training and mentorship and direct medical care and leadership of medical facilities is also important ways to positively impact like working with national leaders either leading or working with the national leaders coming together it's a it's a cultural Synergistic effect. I mean, in my 12 years on the field, you know, I've lived in Thailand and China and just working with not saying it all has to be national, all should be the foreign, you know, the foreigners working, but working together for a cultural synergy that is so much more powerful than any, than it be one side or another. We also need to consider how we're adapting to changes in global health and international health. Countries around the world are developing their national health systems. They are developing parameters for care, for legal, for practicing legally in their country. Uh, even in countries like Cambodia or Thailand or, you know, places are, or even in China, you must be able to work legally. And so when you have, when you are working in a government clinic or in a government hospital or you're working at a, at a, um, at a medical school, that's sponsored by the government, and you're coming under them. You're serving them. You're coming under them. Yes, it's a pain to take those tests. It's a pain to learn the language. It's Yeah, I mean, I've had to do it. But you're working them, and you show that you are with them. You are serving them. And they are leading them, and it speaks volumes for you to have a commitment to learn their language well enough to pass their medical boards in their country. And then... The door is just wide open. It is unbelievable. And so there's opportunities in medical education or strengthening rural health care programs. Working in the government hospitals. Yes, yes, it's frustrating to have your boss really not see the way things are done. But when you're in there for the long haul, you're in there for the long haul. And and it really speaks volumes. I don't have time to go into all the stories. It's just incredible. You know, the doors that I've seen open because someone chose to... To go through that in years of service, and then finally, God breaks it open, and then it's just like the gospel is just exploding um, where they are. The countries are really hungry for new technology. They, they want they want to know how to use it. They want to know how to implement it. They, you know, some of the countries, they have money to buy it or someone's donating something. They want to know how to use it. They want to know how to use it well, how to how to integrate it into their primary health care. So we, we have a chance to do that. Um, or learning new methods of surgery. Um, we can employ uniform standards of diagnosis and care. I mean, the medical and yeah, they have medical schools, but... You know, sometimes it, it's just not up to standard or one school is teaching this way, another school in the same country. They're just not standard. So, you know, if they're asking for it, we can come and serve them and help standardize their care, standardize their education, and participating in research projects, big or small. Um, so that's this opportunities, thinking outside the box of traditional medical missions, of doing the direct care, coming alongside them, helping to do their own care better. It is imperative that mission organizations employ a way of seeing the world that is more in line with how the countries of the world see themselves. It is time to create strategies and approaches by which medical missions operations can establish legitimacy and effectiveness. Amen? So questions for future research. This was in the paper. So how might we measure success in medical missions work? Good question. What do host countries... What do host country partners, national churches, and governments think about the role played by medical missionaries? We should ask. (laughs) Good question. Is the medical mission model too generous and perhaps out of step with global needs as implied by books such as Easterly's The White Man's Burden? Current medical missions is not sustainable financially. Should more competitive for-profit medical models be promoted? I'm not saying I have the answer. This study does not have the answer, but it's proposing very, very good questions, hard questions that we need to be asking ourselves. So, because this is a study, I'll just say some of the limitations of this study. It was a self-selected population. We had a response rate of 54%, which is pretty good. (coughs) Study really was not designed to assess the ministry success of medical missions It was just designed to take the pulse of current, long-term, full-time partners in the field. But we reached primarily Western workers, albeit Western workers from 18 different countries. But like I said, they had to know English well enough. So in the future, we may be looking at missionaries from China or from Ecuador or whoever else and and really looking at reformatting this study to, um, to learn this and... Contact info. This study is not yet published, so I cannot give you a copy of this study. It is copyrighted under Mark Strand. Um, I don't... Uh, you can contact Mark Strand. Um, look at it. Anyway, this is the CMDA, the Christian Medical Dental Society Medical Association Working Group, Mark Strand, Alice Chen, Tina Slusher is here, Alan Peltier, John Mellinger. Um, Take copious notes. This will be on the internet, and we can't pass it out. But you might be able to talk um, to Mark Strand or one someone in the working group in order to uh, find out more about this or get more information about when and where it might be published. So we have. I allowed lots of time for questions. So um, yes. My first
1: question. that specifically directed or did you get the responses from a specific group of uh, individuals or a specific geographical
0: location or was it in general? In general. In general, over all over all the regions. It was it was pretty it was pretty consistent and, and the question was formulated basically it was on a scale of one to five and then it was basically um strongly disagree, disagree or neutral. Um, and it kind of rated like that. And so across the board, when you counted the strongly disagree and disagree uh, as related to is medical missions having a positive impact on the local um, health care of the people, sixty-five percent answered either strongly disagree or disagree across the board. Yes. Could part of that be because there is no short-term there? Is there? No. Actually, actually, the people doing, sp- the, the respondents spending the most time doing short-term missions were the ones most likely to respond disagree. Yes? Uh, short-term, I got it, let me look it up here. Short-term is defined as travel by a group of medical workers to a foreign country for medical work from two days to a month in length. Yes? comment. Um. Sure.
1: make sure it to get to the follow-up. And I mean, it's a much more intricate system. And we're um, consistently working with local healthcare care workers who go and visit the patients in between and, you know, hopefully eventually getting to sort of a self-sustained programming in that particular
0: region, they've seen more people their oh yeah you know and when I presented this the purpose of this study was not to examine short-term missions and I agree with your I mean and I totally agree it can be done very well but there's a lot that's not and so the and it, it and it was just a very pretty profound statistic Um that it's not to say that there, there, there are models for great short-term missions. Um, but so that was, it's not to say to throw it all out, but it was really listen to your partners. We need to rethink how we're doing a lot of it and paying and being more proactive in the relationships and just how you're doing it, making sure that it is legal because it, the, the international health scene is changing. And so, just the legality of doing um, medical work in certain countries, where it used to be you could do it, but now there's a lot more red tape. Yeah, red tape, bummer. You know, but that's the way we have to respect the countries in which we're serving. Yes, in the back. Okay, the question was, are these short-term missions connected to long-term entities? That was not, like I said, there there was not a lot of questions. That was, the question was, as I put it, and there were a couple of, just a couple of questions. Yeah, so, you want to do a research project, great. You know, I'm doing, (laughs) there's a, I'm doing, I'm moderating a panel tomorrow morning on research in the field, and there's just, you know, you could list a whole, you could have pages of future research questions. And like I said before, this was not focused on short-term missions, just was taking the pulse of medical missionaries in the field today. So no, that question was not delineated, but that's a great question, so I invite you to sponsor it. (laughs) Yes, David. Well, it was some of both. It was some that, some that felt like they, they've been in the field and their, their agency, you know, shifted focus or there was a change in leadership and then the, the new leadership didn't quite understand what they were doing or it was that sort of the strategy in the field had to change. And so it was like they were willing to adapt and change, but their organization quite didn't know how, what that would look like. Does that make sense? And so it was a variety of reasons why they didn't feel the support. Or sometimes some of them just they didn't they didn't know quite how to do it from the very beginning, but they were really committed to to doing their work and you know, it might be that that organization wasn't the best fit for that partner. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to know before you go. Yes, I think Nancy. It's a normal
1: evolution to, to the medical ministry development, and we're struggling a little bit with that in our organization where we've had hospitals that are now running 25 and 50 years, and um, we're into the educational role. We've had enormous um, results in terms of church planting in the local situation so that it, you're transitioning what the ministry looks like. And when you've been on the field for a while, to make that transition can be very difficult. And so it's that whole strategy
0: piece and watching the growth. And that's
1: an area that we're really struggling
0: with. Yep, being flexible and, yeah. Yeah. So, yes? Uh, Two questions um, that both might have to do with future research, but
1: one under the Uh, the practitioners' question: Was there any component that had to do with their their spiritual health or involvement, the spiritual support they received on the field, their involvement?
0: No, they 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 didn't they didn't specifically ask. This was a bro, very broad survey, so they didn't ask specifically that spiritual component or the spiritual. They didn't ask about the spiritual impact of their ministry. They didn't ask for their opinion on that. It was simply how are they doing, and it was more um, geared towards their profe- their professional work, but in as far as their mental health affects the way their ability to do that work. But and, yes, go ahead.
1: The second question related to that, that spiritual impact: if there is any kind of of a measurement, if I'm a practitioner and it's like you know I on a daily basis I almost have zero ministry activity; it's all medical, or I have. You know, on a scale of one to ten, or, or some sort of measurement to show you know we're praying for our patients. i have given the ability to do that. Is there any kind of study or interest in, in combining those two things? Because it seems like for long term satisfaction, the spiritual component might be
0: okay. I have another volunteer uh-huh. for another that- study. <laughs> no, I mean not that I'm aware. I mean there, are, I think you know that might be something that an organization might look at internally or something. Or maybe a region or a country might do that. That's a that's a good idea. Not that I'm aware of, but I'm not saying I'm up on all the research on missions. So, yeah. You had a question?
1: I was just wondering the 50% of...
0: Responded to that? I mean, that's pretty astounding to say how. Um, Well, they didn't ask him directly that, but basically it's acknowledged that um, medical missionaries are highly resilient, (laughs) that we are doing a very difficult work, and that we have um, one, excellent coping skills, and two, a great ability to deny our symptoms. So we can cope and then when we're not when we're barely able to cope then we can just switch into denial and from my experience you know on the field I'm pretty much you know I can you know from me and then my my colleagues on the field yeah that's they didn't ask directly that um, any yes Jerry right. That's right. I'm going I'm to reiterate those points for those of you who couldn't hear for the and, and for the recording. Is that um, another limitation that I failed to point out is that we studied people actively on the field and not people who had left. And so, and there are many, there are also many, many other questions that I didn't really go over here. I thought this was um, enough, but it, it, but the people who have left may have quite different answers. Okay, The people who are on the field are people who are making it through two and three terms. And so the people who have left may also, they have different perspective and would have answered these questions differently. We don't know. But that's another study. Um, And then another, the second point he made is that there are a third of respondents who reported favorably to short-term missions. And it's not that, again it's not bad, it's just being able to re-examine short-term missions and asking, well, if you're favorable, why is it favorable? What is being done right? How can we make it work? How can we partner with you? What are you seeing on the field? What are the needs? So there's a, I mean, there's still a third or more people who say, yes, you know, short-term missions are valuable. And I believe they are. We just have to, you know, continue to rethink that. Yeah. And there was a question, Yes.
1: data from Asia differs a little bit from Africa and South America. How much of that is, like, what percent of the respondents were from China and India, the two giants in Asia, who are, who are also producing positions of, of
0: rather high quality? Um, yeah, the, the first question was that the, um, this study did not evaluate, is not correlated with um, the rates of depression and anxiety in medical missionaries compared with um, other forms of missions. So that's another good study. So thank you for volunteering to lead that one. Uh, <laughs> so that we don't, that I don't know this from this data. Um, the second question was that the reports of work satisfaction reported it was better in Asia, and the reasons... Given that were summarized in the the report was that there seemed to be that there was less pressure um, on direct medical care. Uh, There was more variety in the kinds of work that a single person was able to do. There was some direct care. There was teaching. There was time for mentoring, discipleship, time for family. And it seemed it was uh, a little bit less... um, less hardcore, less firm on the direct um, medical practice. And so for them, they reported, we like the balance. It was a more healthier balance that was reported. Now, I don't know of those missionaries how many were from who were Asian themselves. Um, I don't know, but based on the countries in which they served, they reported a better balance of their life and work. However... Remember that the people in Asia reported that their organizations, they felt more pressure from their organizations to leave medical work too. And so they felt more satisfaction in the balance of their life and work, but yet those were the people who reported their organizations wanted them to leave it altogether. So not sure what to make of that, but it's an interesting observation. Yes? Um the question on how many are doing strictly curative care and others, I don't know that they asked this question because almost everyone responded they were doing a little bit, they were doing at least two of those. You know, it was direct care and then teaching. Um, I'd have to look at the graph. If you want to come up later, I don't want to take the time um, to answer other people's questions. And then the second question was... What was your second question? Uh, medical training. Oh, medical mission. Um, they didn't ask that question specifically. How many had what training before? But whatever they, the people serving, and I think, actually, if I, I'm just making my own observation that I think pre-field training has become more and more common in over the last, you know, decade. I mean, I've been on the field for quite a while, and I'm seeing more of my. Newer colleagues, having gone through some kind of training, before they get to the field, but that doesn't—that still doesn't necessarily mean that they've been trained in how to teach medicine or how to do mentoring or teaching directly. It's—it's it's a lot about how to dealing with yourself on the field. Um, but there's still more pre-field training being done now than I think there used to be. Um, any other questions? Yes. You talked about how. Uh, could be. I think, you know, I think or some organizations are really looking. But as far as your comment about it not really working, I wouldn't say that it's not really working. I would say that, um, there's a tension between what's perceived as traditional missions and medical missions. And in some cases, yeah, I mean, we can all find stories like, well, they tried to do this and that clearly was not the right thing to do. Um, but there's still mission organizations that are establishing new hospitals in certain parts of Africa and still doing that. But that seems to be working in that context. A very good hospitals. So miss- yeah. No, no, no. I know. But I wouldn't say it's, it's not. It's just also being aware that we need to look and really, you know, mission, lead, you know, mission agency leaderships need to spend more time developing those relationships with national health authorities and developing the relationship and listening and talking and not have it all be all up to the, the cross-cultural partner. I mean, yeah, the partner can establish those relationships, but what if you had more uh, strategic placement of other mission leadership to broker some relationships in a whole region and then begin to place partners where there's a relationship already brokered instead of sending people and have them muck around and try to find out what they're doing. I mean, that's just one idea. Yes?
1: That it's very effective. Before we do anything new with medical missions, we go in with a, a team and meet the local authorities to find out what do they want us to do, what don't they want us to do, and it takes us about a, it's about a two week process. We go with our medical people and our church planters Great. together. It's been very effective.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, you know we're over time. Uh, you know I'll be around for more questions. I want to respect your time and going to the next thing. Thank you very much.